Welcome to Civil Conversations, Episode 6. We go into interracial marriage. Uh, I thought it was important for us to be able to have discussions with married couples who have uh, married another race. Uh, and also, a uh, little twist here is that we're looking at cross cultures as well. One of the couples is black Jamaican uh, with a white husband, and uh, the other is a black man with a white wife. And so I thought this conversation was really beautiful. It allowed us to really get a glimpse into what it means to be in an interracial, cross-cultured, and then also blended family. One of the couples also is blended. They came with their own kids and got married uh or remarried again so uh please enjoy this conversation it is uh it is awesome hey everybody it is matt aguido um here tonight for a special civil conversation so um tonight i am super excited about this conversation primarily because it is heavily focused on interracial marriage. Um, I think the, the, the main thing for tonight, and we'll give a few seconds for people to join on, um, that I would like for us to make sure we focus on is understanding people as individuals and the work it takes to um, bring those individuals together to, uh, to basically start a life together and, and have a family. Um, or bring two families together and continue life together. Uh, and so tonight I have a couple of very uh, special guests, friends, um, people we've known for a couple of years, all the way up to 13 years. Um, so I am super excited. So if you guys give me one second, I'm going to pull up, uh, our, as everyone knows is watching me, I typically try to pull up the live stream so I can make sure I'm watching any comments. Feel free to comment um, for those that are watching the show. Um, feel free to ask any questions later on towards the end of the program, maybe around 745-ish, we'll start taking some questions. So for tonight, we have Mike and Debbie Allen, and we have Spencer and Karen Foster. So uh, I would like for you guys to take a moment to introduce yourselves um, first individually, and then we'll go into uh, the, the conversation for tonight. So I would like to start with you, Debbie. Uh, could you give us an intro of who you are? Sure. Um, hi, I'm Debbie Adam. I um, was born and raised on the island of Jamaica. I moved to the U.S. Um, for college years ago, settled in Florida for a few years. Um, I am an only child. I was raised by my grandparents. I was raised multilingual, so I speak multiple languages, which also is the reason that you don't hear the strong Jamaican accent everyone's used to. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm married for 14 years. I've got two children, and I reside in Charlotte. Awesome, awesome. All right, uh, Karen. Yes, uh, I was born and raised in Virginia. Um, at 19, I moved to Massachusetts. I lived there for 10 years. Um, I'm one of six kids total. Mom had four, Dad had one, then they had me. Um, I moved to Charlotte 15 years ago. Um, and I have, uh, well, had two daughters. Uh, I was a single mom for a long time. Um, and I currently am self-employed. Awesome. Appreciate you sharing that. Mike? Hey, everybody. Mike Adam. I've been in Charlotte now for, are we here, 13 years now? Uh, prior to that, we were in South Florida together. Um, and I moved there for college. So I'm working my way backwards. Uh, my parents are in Jacksonville, Florida, which we moved there when I was about 
uh, 12, and prior to that, living in um, a suburb of Chicago, so Hazelcrest, Chicago. I have uh, four siblings, three siblings, and uh, been, uh, we have two kids, um, and just um, looking forward to the next part of this conversation. Of course, do that so we can get into it and dig in. Um, and uh, Spencer. Hi, I'm Spencer Foster. Uh, I'm the oldest of four boys. Uh, I'm a military brat. I was born in Spain. Um, I've lived dozens of places. I uh, have two daughters before getting married. Um, uh, have had over 100 jobs, just, just a little note. <laughs> I, I'm a master of uh, nothing and a jack of all trades. So there you go. No, it's, it's all good, man. It's all good. I appreciate you guys going into that. So part of the, the, the reason why I wanted to do this conversation tonight, thank you guys for your description uh, or intro, um, is because a lot of the race and, um, you know, social justice tension that's going on in the U.S. is pretty heavy right now. Um, and it's, I feel like it's been going on forever, um, at least all my life. And I think a, there's a perspective around um, interracial marriages that I really wanted to get into. Um, speaking for myself, um, you know, I I never really viewed myself as somebody who was, uh, I'm married, obviously, and um, I never viewed myself as someone who's like interracial, but I definitely knew that my wife and I brought together two cultures. Uh, and I think that's, that's critical. So if you see us, we're like, we're two black people, but, you know, with me being Nigerian, um, that definitely came with some, you know, some pieces of the culture that I brought into the household. Either it was just me or if it was Nigerian. I don't know what it was, but we had to figure it out. Um but in the U.S., the funny thing about it is there were laws that existed uh, 53 years ago, up to 53 years ago, that basically said that these two couples could not be married. And uh, I think it's beautiful that we're able to have this conversation tonight uh, and allow us to be able to get insight into how, how are they doing. Um, as you all heard from Debbie, she's Jamaican. Um, and she came in not just only as a, a, a black woman, but a, a Jamaican black woman and an immigrant on a student visa. And she met Mike. And you have uh, Karen, go, go Patriots. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coming together with, with, with Spencer and their blended family. And that has its, that has its, uh, that has its weight as well. So um, if you guys don't mind, I'm, I'm going to start with the Adam family. If you guys don't mind, can y'all tell us a little bit of how you guys met? Sure. Um, sure. We actually were co-workers. We worked at the, one of the local newspapers in South Florida on the marketing team. He's a designer. I'm in marketing. So yeah. we teamed up a lot on projects. And I think we met back in 2000. 2000. Our desks were maybe one desk between us. And I think I start. we, we did a birthday routine and her birthday is before mine. So you plan the next person's party so she actually had to plan my birthday party that that first year yeah that's how so. we kind of became friends oh wow did you draw her anything i mean you are you were a designer no, no the other way she did my birthday party yeah. i didn't have to do my hers birthday. I, got, I got out of that my, <laughs> my birthday is october and his is november about 10 days apart yeah, so i got to plan his birthday yeah got you Okay. Yeah, so my first year on the job, I she actually somehow convinced my mom to send baby pictures for my birthday, and we had just met. Just like so. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. That's that's pretty cool. I um, uh, when when did you guys or when did you start developing interest? Like, who was first? I don't know if you would call me first. Would you say me first? <laughs> Kind of um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was actually, we were friends for a few years because we were working 
close together. So we, we were friends for a few years before um, we started spending time outside of the office um, yeah. together. Um, so it's probably two or three years. And then we started um, hanging out as friends with other groups. And I, at some point in time, I realized I was, um, best description was getting jealous of other people spending time with her. It's like, oh, I feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. I was clueless, but very excited to hang out. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I mean, you. That, that I guess that's a sign of like, hey, you really like her. He's like, where are you going? Um. So yeah. no, that, that's awesome. So, so to slide over to the Foster family, how how did you guys meet? So uh, we actually met online. Um, uh, we met on uh, Plenty of Fish. Don't, 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 don't uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm no. not going to plug it for yet, those but, watching. Don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> but we met on plenty of fish. Uh, it was one of those, uh, love it first message type deal. Like, uh, <laughs> uh we, uh, we dated for three months. Uh-huh. We dated for three months and then got married. And it was one of those things where we knew that this was the direction that we wanted to go into. And, um, you know, God had put us together. And so we, we, we did this thing and, and we're, we're here, <laughs> we're, we're here. It was, it was awesome. It was, it's been a test. And so here we are in I love. That, is that the, is that the, the story? Yeah, basically. Yeah. That, that's I mean, the short version. Yeah. Actually, you know, like I, I messaged him, I saw his profile and sent him a message and the shorter version is he was actually on his phone deleting his profile. Oh yeah. When my message popped up and then he was like, he says, wow. he's kind of like, Oh, wait a minute. Let me look at this a little more. Yeah. And yeah, I was on there for 30 days and had enough. And, uh, as I was deleting it, her message came up and said that she wanted to go out. It was meant to be. <laughs> and so, uh, after I answered her, it was about a week later, and I said we should go out on a date because I don't want to be catfished because I felt like it was too good to be true. And we went, on a, we went out on a date, and ever since then, it's been her all, all day long. Nice, nice. I like that. So when, um, when, when you guys got together, and this is a toss-up, right? So you could, whichever family wants to answer this question first, whichever couple, um, when you got together – you know, and as your relationship got started, you know, what were the initial challenges, right? I mean, it's, you know, obviously you liked each other, so I don't, I don't think there's a challenge in regards to knowing that you like each other, but were there any initial now, uh, challenges in regards to the cultural differences that you may have? Um, as You know, when it, when it came to this, you know, obviously we could bring race into this, but just in general, like, were there any challenges? Who wants to, who wants to answer that one first? This is initial. This is initial. When you guys oh. Well, I would say initially for for us because my relationships weren't uh as serious as this one was um to to start off with and with the fact that we both have children or I had children and and didn't want to bring them into a bad relationship as far as drag them through it because they were older um and I was in the middle of a custody battle at the time that I met Karen. So it was, it was a, it was a struggle to really just be honest and open and tell her about what I was going through with Rachel and, 
and uh, she got involved in it and was really supportive throughout that. And so um, being in the system, I mean, that's even part of it, being in the system as a black man, um, trying to get an interracial daughter in the South and getting sole custody. It was, it was, a, it was a lot. And I know it was a lot for her during that part. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, th- and then there's, there were some other racial issues in my family that was a problem. Um, I, I guess we can go into that further, but there are some members of my family that weren't really keen on mixed marriages and being in a mixed relationship and then how serious it was becoming became a problem. How did, how did you respond to that, Karen? When you, well, first off, the challenges from your perspective, right? Because I want to also balance that out. But then also, how did you respond to that, you know, for, for yourself? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know that there's really any challenges for me. You know, like when I started telling my family, you know, hey, I think I met this guy. I think, you know, this could be something serious. I mean, they automatically were like, is he black? <laughs> you know, like, was it, uh, you know, I think they'd been, been more shocked if I was like, no, no, he's not. But, um, you know, she's so not they, lying. When I met her family, they were like, we knew you were black. <laughs> well, and if you could touch that for a second, your kids, if you don't mind going into that, yeah. Karen, the, kid, the children you brought um, into the. Yeah, room. both the, the, their fathers are, are black. And like with his daughters, yeah, their, mo- their moms are white. So it's not like this was a new thing for our families mm-hmm. when we met. Right. Is it, is it safe to say once you go black? No, no, I have my first daughter, and then actually before him, my longest relationship was with the white guy. So, oh, got you, got you, cool. I just, I had to do it. I was like, I saw the opportunity, and I had to, I had to do it. Um, You venture back, but you come back again. So, there you go, there you go, there you go. So, I'm gonna slide over to the Adam family real quick. So, what about you all when it came to challenges? Anything specific? So um, I would say in contrast to your uh, quick courting, we dated for about three years. We had previous relationships and I think, you know, coming out of a previous relationship, wanting to make sure that this was going to be the one and not a rebound, Um, typical relationship um, struggles. But, you know, coming from Jamaica, our motto is out of many one people. Um, I grew up with every single ethnicity across the board in my elementary school, in my high school. Um, I never grew up identifying myself as anything other than Jamaican and neither did my friends. Mm -hmm. You could be Asian, Indian, white, Jewish, Mm -hmm. you know, anything. So we had more of a national identity, not a racialized Mm -hmm. identity. So coming here for college, my first semester was about the first time I think the first time it hit me in the face was when I was kind of interested in sororities and I was going through college and they were like, Hey, are you going to sign up for, I think the Zetas? I'm like, well, I was going to look at every, every sorority. And they're like, well, that's the black sorority on campus. And I thought, wow, I mean, everyone puts everyone in a box here. And so over time, I mean, I've been here in the U S about two thirds of my life now. Um, I've had to learn all of the nuances of what being black in America was all about. I didn't have the experience of Jim Crow, neither did my parents or grandparents. So it's been a slow um, realization that even though I look, you know, 
just like an African-American, because I was raised in another country, I come with different pre-programmed ideals of who I am and right. how I approach the world. But as far as family, um, my family that I know have never been, I've got family of all different ethnicities, so it's never been an issue. I remember being a little apprehensive um, the first time I dated outside of my race, but both um, relationships that I've had, I've never witnessed any kind of issue or struggle. So I guess in that case, we were really lucky. So let me ask this question. Um, this is to the Adam group. So I want, I want you to kind of give me a response too, Mike, because I'm curious. I don't know if this is, a, if anybody else is thinking this, uh, that's watching or, if, and the Fosters, you guys have, just so you guys know, ask each other questions if y'all want. Um, yes. Did you see a black woman, Mike? Yes. I mean, I, I'm not, you know, there's a whole scenario of colorblind that I don't think I, I wouldn't say I didn't see a black woman, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't a deterrent in any way, shape or form. And we were talking about it the other night and just, there's a, I, I, I've always enjoyed like learning new cultures and getting to um, go different places and meeting her family, meeting different people that, that I don't really think that's a new thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think it was weird. I still can remember a couple of conversations like side conversations with friends that made it come to the forefront, but I don't think in any of my thinking was it a concern or a flag. It's, so it's, it's wild because like, due to the fact that we see color, meaning the United States, mm -hmm. um, no matter what anyone says, even when you say you don't see color, you're saying that in response to seeing color. Right. Um, you two specifically had to adopt, and I know Debbie, you had to do this. You had to adopt uh, a, an American culture that put an identity on you you didn't ask for. Like you came in for an education. Yeah. Um, and immediately, <laughs> yeah, you immediately got put right into a box, like you said earlier, as a black woman, which you are a black woman. That doesn't, yeah. doesn't change anything. Absolutely. But you are also whole Jamaican, right? Right. Um, I identify as Caribbean. Exactly. There you go. And so for you, Mike, when when you the way you just described that, I thought was was awesome. Was that a was as you got to know Debbie as a as a person, and then of course identifying as a as a Jamaican, right? Not like that's who she is. She's from Jamaica, Caribbean. Um, did did the did the American way of looking at race start seeping in? Like you just well, you kind of said that already. People brought that to the forefront. But did that stop you guys from learning about each other at all? Or or not stop, but just was it challenging at all? So you're, let's make sure, at the beginning, I don't, I don't think at all. It, I don't, I can't think of it coming up much in any way, shape or form at all. And maybe it's also that time period in the world where it was calmer. I, I think as things happen, we have more conversations about it in, in the world. You know, so like some more conversations happen and topics came up because, you know, current events or something versus at that time, her and I, if that makes sense. I will yeah. say that yeah. um, living in South Florida, which is a giant melting pot, also had a lot to do with the fact that we right. didn't initially run into any of those <laughs> issues. Moving to the Carolinas, though, I mean, after I had my firstborn, um, he, when he was a baby, he was um, very much his father's skin tone. So whenever I take him out, I get that unfortunate babysitter question or nanny question and mm. so little things like that were you know I don't think our dating life we had any kind of issues but once we started having kids we started getting 
so rude, inquisitive, and yeah. you know, somewhat off-putting comments. I mean, you know, nothing, nothing too vile, but still, I mean, we had to deal with stuff. It wasn't overt, but it was basically microaggressions. Oh, it was overt. It was just not oh. bordering on vile, which is good. Okay, got you. But it's definitely <laughs> microaggressions know. from that perspective, right? Just oh, yeah. comments. Okay. Yeah, we've we, we've definitely experienced the the aggressions too. Like when we go to uh, Barris Hammond concerts, we oh we was, yeah we, we <laughs> that's was, my I love, favorite. I love some Barris Hammond. <laughs> well, it was it was amazing because just to add to that or just touch on that, we actually was blessed from a friend who let us get front stage at the Barris Hammond concert. We got to go in through the stage door. Wow. Um, we go in, we go past the lights, and when we're standing up front, I see my wife standing there dancing, and it's a yogurt covered raisin and a <laughs> and a sea of and black I'm people. actually and I'm the Barris fan. He and I'm not. He met met Barris because I love Barris. You know what I mean? So you got <laughs> so cool. We're there for like the opposite. Like, oh, he's bringing his girl along. It's like, no, I'm dragging him. And then, <laughs> uh, but what was really funny was you could see some of this disdain on some of the people's faces. And I asked her even there, I was like, do you see this? Like, do you feel this? Do you understand how this is going on? And she was like, no, I'm here to see Barris. I'm not here to see them. And I was really proud of her for that. And it was, it's just a, it's just a crazy thing with what, like what you were saying, like we can't go to a concert sometimes and just enjoy the music that everybody else enjoys. Like it's not even about color. We're here to see We're here to hear music. And the people have an issue with who I'm married to and who she's married to. That's great. Was it almost like a, you know, well, you kind of said, you know, why, why is she here? Right. Kind of thing. Or, Oh, here, no. you know, and, and did you feel like oh, we were asked that? Did you have to <laughs> feel like, you, did you feel like you had to, well, I guess when you checked in on her, you kind of felt like you had to protect her basically. Well, it, I always feel like that because I'm her husband, but it was a matter of, you don't even know who she is to be upset that she's here to hear Barris Hammond. Like, this is my wife. I'm not seeing a white woman. I'm seeing my wife. You're seeing a white woman who's enjoying the same music that you do. Like, what is that? How is this a problem? Like, how is this a, yeah. how is this turned into a racial issue at a concert where we're all supposed to have a good time? I will say that if you were in Jamaica, it wouldn't, no one would have batted an eye because there are white Jamaicans, there are black right. Jamaicans, they invariably get married, um, you know, it's oh, a thing, yeah. but I do know that since coming here, um, I've seen people have like an unhealthy obsession with other people's relationships yes, that don't yes. fit in the box right. that um, is wow. the default for all relationships. Right. So if yeah. something deviates even slightly, you wow. know, whether it's cultures or, you know, yeah it just it just causes an unhealthy obsession so for right. us i mean i feel that you know gosh it's been 14 years um i mean we've been dating for longer than that we i i don't i don't think that we are impervious to it but it doesn't penetrate you know we kind of see it for what it is you know right. there's a lot of people with a lot of baggage and you know this country right. is no notorious <laughs> for perpetuating the baggage we just choose not to engage with the baggage i like how you said um unhealthy how, how did you is it basically an unhealthy relationship with with relationships or unhealthy unhealthy obsession, obsession with relationships that don't fit in their default yeah, right exactly yeah i i find that amazing i think i think you know when i was doing a lot of this research on the the history of you know the u.s when it comes to interracial marriages 
one of the things that comes up, like if I, if I close my eyes, right. And I, I like on one of my calls, I said, if I close my eyes and I, and I picture a, uh, a wealthy individual, old wealthy individual, close my eyes. Most of us are going to visualize a white guy. Right. Right. That, right. But then when we visualize an interracial relationship, we close our eyes, we visualize black and white. Right. And the country is way more diverse than that. I mean, I have friends that are white and Asians are married, Hispanic and black, black, Hispanic. I mean, the, the list goes on and on um, because of the way this nation is. But I find it interesting from your perspective as you came here from Jamaica and you're like, come on, guys, like, can we just be married and move on? Like, this is not... Right. Yeah. Well, the thing about it, it's one thing to be free or liberated in your mind, but there's just still so much out there in the systems and the media. So you're still mm -hmm. fighting that outside battle, even though inside you're liberated. I mean, we have an intentionally diverse circle of friends and, um, you know, my kids also have a diverse circle of friends and it's yes. not just ethnicity, it's, you know, walks of life, religion, I mean, you name it every diverse dimension, because I feel like it's important to arm my kids with the truth and yeah. all of the things yeah. that will come against them, they'll be able to kind of um, refute it with facts because there's just been too much out there that's been, you know, coming against just unions. I mean, we're two souls who love each other. What else yeah. is there to know? <laughs> yeah, right. I think, I think the, the, you know, when you, this is just a, a thought that came to my mind as, as you were talking, like maybe because we're so young and just removing the barriers, right? So yeah. you think about a lot of nations, you just exist, right? And you just kind of, people just, and I don't know, I'm speaking out of probably ignorance here, but you just exist. You guys just get married, people get together, blah, 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 blah. In the U.S., you know, 53 years ago, 14 years older than me, you know, within 10 years older than you guys, you know, this, the, the law got put in place to abolish the ban of this. Right. That's, that's very new. So yeah, maybe, that, part of, maybe to part add of to that, that, South Carolina only made that legal in 2000. Think yep. Sorry, Alabama. Wow. South Carolina was a little bit before Alabama, but Alabama only upheld that law in the year 2000. So I was in college um, while it was still not legal. And I had friends who couldn't go to prom together as multi-ethnic people because their university wouldn't allow it while I was in college. So, so is, is the obsession awkwardly warranted? Like, meaning, I'm not making an excuse for it by no. any means, but right. I mean, what you just said is pretty groundbreaking, right? You're talking 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, but but that you, like you just said, because America is one of the youngest countries on the face of the planet. So a lot of the stuff that other countries have already overcame with, with the idea of different skin color being involved in, in dating, America is just now getting up to the point of where they understand that that shouldn't be a that shouldn't be even thought of like that shouldn't be part of the conversation of what color each person is yeah. versus versus their character yeah. i mean and, and and that's it i mean just like you just said uh for us to be in the year 2000 for this whole country with everything that's going on i mean the internet has been around longer than we can be segregated <laughs> i mean desegregated in america like that's crazy <laughs> that is crazy like yeah. you can, so, um, I'm sorry, Debbie, were you about to say something? 
I was going to say, and I will say that there's some things that are definitely endemic to the USA. It's a very individualistic country. Yes. I've traveled to lots of different co- countries where they're all about the collective, you know, right. for, the, for, the, for the greater good, for the good of the community. But with the U.S., it's me, my rights. I'm a self-made person. It's, you yeah. know, it's all about the individual. So I can definitely see where there would be challenges here because there's not like, let me think about the greater good. There's a, you know, this is, I'm doing it my way, you know, it's just a totally different thing. And for us, I mean, I know that I'm particularly intentional about taking my kids to other countries. There's people who never want to do that because this to them is the best, the pinnacle of everything good. But for me, it's like, this is just one singular story. And there is a power in hearing all the stories. And I would never want to deprive my children of hearing all the stories and then choosing which story they want to ally themselves to. I love that. I I love that. I think, you know, part, like part of why I'm even doing civil conversations. I mean, I I feel like my head's cut off. Here we go. Part of even why why I'm doing civil conversations. um, It was sparked obviously from an African-American standpoint. Let's be real for a second. It's a problem. Right. Um, uh, But uh, you know, being, you know, I'm going to say this hundreds of times, probably going for years, being a Nigerian kid, I also know we have just a, an overall like ignorance to international and nationalities and cultures and things like that, that are just bigger than just black and white. Um, and you, what you're saying about educating the kids, and this is a good bridge to this next point where I want to go into with, with children, educating kids and exposing them is huge because it allows us to view this world a whole lot bigger and, and more, uh, and in some cases, more complex, right? And more to respect and more to honor, you know, when, when you become more educated, then it's just a black and white thing, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's huge. So when it comes to kids, um, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at Mike. I'm, he, I don't know. He's like, I guess his, 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 his face looked like he was just, like, perking up for that. Um, and, you know, Mike if, or Adam, uh, Mike or Debbie, if you guys want to speak to this first, and we'll go over to the Fosters. You know, how have your kids been, you know? Um, and how are you guys prepping your kids and your kids are younger than the Foster's children, um, I believe. So what do you, if you don't mind the kids' ages? Sure, 13 and nine. That's about the same. Yeah, 13, 13 and nine. So go ahead, uh, you know, how's it been the kids? It's been, well, in a lot of ways it's been good. And uh, I'll say the more uh, opportunities that we've had to educate them about color. Uh, like I think when my daughter was in, summer camp a few years ago she came home and the, told us that the kid counselor said i met your parents you're adopted oh i met your dad i met your dad you're adopted oh um, so we so we actually were lucky enough to know uh, some people to help us help articulate what melanin is to her and we went wow. through a whole wow. chocolate syrup ex- milk experience to kind of yeah. show how it works and so. just to give it a little um a little context my son has closer to my husband's skin tone. My daughter has closer to my skin tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whenever she goes out with Mike, and even when she was an infant and he'd take her out to restaurants, they'd ask him where he adopted his, you yeah. know, these beautiful yeah. kids. But, you know, she came home at four years old. She was that little. I didn't think I'd have to have the talk about, you know, skin tone with her at that young age. But, you know, a teenage counselor at her summer camp pretty much told her she was adopted. So wow. we kind of filled these little shot glasses with milk and we got some Hershey syrup and we talked about how- I didn't get much you know, Hershey syrup. <laughs> yeah, daddy only got enough for his freckles. <laughs> but when she got down to herself, she was like, oh, 
I got more Hershey's syrup, you know, so we kind of talked about melanin and how right. that works and how ancestral history works and how, you know, all of that. So she was really able, even at a very, you know, this is pre-kindergarten. She corrected the counselor. She, yeah, she corrected the counselor. She goes, I have more melanin than my brother. I'm not. Oh, wow. Brother. So what I, what I just gathered from this, this little portion here and, 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 and we'll, you know, I want to continue on the kids and then move to the foster in a second. But what I love about what you guys just, just said is you took, this is, this is layers of what I'm seeing. You guys took a potential traumatic moment and made it a teaching moment mm -hmm. for your, for, for your kids yeah. and then empowered that child to go reeducate the people who try to put her in a box. Yeah. And, yes. and I don't think we're going to get to another place without that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think yeah. that's critical because there are so many traumatic things that happen that are small. There's large ones, but they're small. Yes. That, that impact our identity at such a young age. Imagine the man that you love for the last four years of your life, someone's telling them that he's your adopted dad. Like, just the concept of that is. Yeah mind blown but you guys caught that yeah. and flipped it so beautifully as parents mm -hmm. who are wow. who are trying to elevate this higher and say like look this is how you're made this is what you're made of and using chocolate milk is you said chocolate milk and regular milk is that what you said yeah, well, yeah regular milk and chocolate syrup because I mean, her I, language is chocolate i think that's like i think that's like beautiful uh, i'm sorry spencer were you about to say something Oh, no, no, no. I was, I was saying that that's nice as well. That was a okay. good idea. That was a great idea. That's a really great idea. So slide into the Fosters. Um, what about you guys? I mean, Karen, I've known you pretty long. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I, I know you got some stories. <laughs> How's it been um, with girls? Um, it's been interesting. I mean, so our kids are, so my, my daughters are now 14 and 21. His are 13 and 20. Um, the 13, 14, like you mentioned custody. So his daughter does live with us. So we are mom and dad for her. Mm -hmm. um, with uh, my 14 year old, like her dad left when she was five months old. So he was never in the picture for her life. And, you know, with everything that's been going on recently, you know, we've been having, you know, we sit at our dinner table basically every night and we have conversations. And, you know, one night it was about race and just um, identity and how people see you and this type of thing. And, uh, she got a little emotional and she just said that, you know, well, you, until you married daddy, I never really even thought about that. I was black. Um, because you know, her only parent, you know, and I think that's, that says a lot, you know, if there's single parents watching, you know, like, um, as far as your kid's identity, you know, I'm the, I'm the only parent she knew. So it's like, well, my mom's white, I'm white. You know, she didn't have anything to kind of put into reference with that part of her culture, even though she, she knew it, she didn't think about it. Um, and they, they do attend a school that's primarily white. Um, so we've had a lot of conversations because they've experienced some things that are said that right. from students there, um, some racist comments that have been made that, you know, the other kids laugh at and don't think much about, but our daughters are like, uh, you know, we're getting text messages like, Hey, this was just said, that's not cool. Um, so, you know, we, we've had to deal with that. Um, yeah, we've had to deal with the conversation of, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot you were black uh, yeah. with yeah, one yeah. of the girls. Uh, we had microaggressions. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Well, and Olivia. We actually had to go to the school for it. Like, yeah, and, well, and basically it was 
turned off. Yeah. Well, you know, and you know, this was like two years ago. So maybe sixth grade middle school, you know, our daughter told us that, you know, at the lunch table, the girls were talking about, if you were black, what would your name be? And she looked at them and said, uh, Olivia. Olivia, cause that's my name. Yeah. You know, like, so, you know, when you talk about the micro stuff where people don't realize like Matt's like mind blown right now, but yeah, no, that's seriously. so frustrating. Like that is yeah. so yeah. like, if that was my kid, like I, Oh, sorry. Y'all right. kind of like breaking my cool. Cause I'm trying oh, to, yeah. be very See, like, I, I think I'm raising like a tiny Angela Davis because I <laughs> awesome. had the playground microaggressions where, um, little kids have, um, I believe there was a little girl who's an immigrant from the Republic of Congo. She's here beautiful complexion, similar to Lupita, the actress. Mm -hmm. And the kids were like, oh my gosh, your skin looks like, and I won't even go with the pejorative that they use. And Jessica was like, did your mom not teach you about melanin? She has the best amount of chocolate milk in her complexion. (laughs) And literally an adult told me that my daughter stuck up stood up for this girl and schooled those little kids. Right. And it, it says a lot because honestly, I feel like you have to give your kids language to combat those racist comments. They, yes. It's by osmosis that they pick it up. And right. also they're, they're in like decades and maybe a century of ick in the media in terms right. of how, you know, black people are um, portrayed, caricatured, racialized. I mean, we don't even have to look far in history to see, you know, the things that are, compared to so for us like i feel like one kid is more along the martin luther king side the other one she is super radical she will call you on your microaggression to your face and right. she's done that with adults too like you know you can't say that that's not wow. cool. and so that's <laughs> awesome i think i think it's important it, it sounds like you guys all do this um um proactively and reactively uh, educating and reinforcing the kids and waiting for a moment like you said earlier karen um when it, in regards to the realization of being a single white mom mm-hmm. I, it's amazing to think about you know that's something that i've always been um curious about when it comes to not necessarily being a single white mom but the impact of culture um on color right you have those people who are you know african-american or black and then they sound like carlton banks or whoever and they're like oh you you, you sound white that is the biggest microaggression I face. Yes, I mean, me as well. I've had phone interviews yeah. and shown up in person, yeah. and they're like, "Are you Debbie?" Yes, I am. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And and I think part of that is, you know, when I think about the the culture, some people just they they are who they are. That's it. And it's it's amazing how much we see color, assume a type, and then act out on that assumption. It's right. so crazy. It's so crazy how quick we're able, like, we're willing to able to do that. I'm sorry, uh, Spencer. Go ahead. Well, so I used to work. Uh, I won't, I won't say the place, but I worked for this place, and uh, I actually in what three years ago? Yeah. Three years ago, actually, somebody came up to me in this place and said that they would rather speak to a white person than a black person. Where I work and I was the manager of the place and I was the only one that could help them. And uh, what's, what's funny about that, like you were just saying about the, the, the aggression is, is that after it happened, the people that I worked with asked me if I needed a counselor or needed someone to speak with. And what was funny is I told them no 
because this wasn't the first time that this had happened. And that's kind of a crazy thing that for them, it was so atrocious that they felt like I needed a counselor for it. But, and maybe I did, but I've lived with this my whole life. So for me, it was just Tuesday. Right. Wow. Just, just to ask Spencer, did the person who asked get help or was he escorted out? I just want to know. Now. Uh, actually, they were denied help because I was the manager and I told them if they needed a white person, I'm sorry, I'm not white. I can't change my color. They're going to have to go someplace else. So, so that's, how it, that's how it went down. And I got the support of my management team from there, but that's, that's how it went down. And I have the same issue that Debbie's had that I've been to job interviews and because I don't sound black, that they're looking for white Spencer or white Keith. And I, I've, sat, I've sat in a waiting room for two hours for a, for a job at one place before because the woman did not know that I was the person that was the applicant there. That's wild. I, will just, I will just add to your comment. There's no sounding black, sounding white. We, we, sound we, like, we, we, we you say sound that. like Spencer. You, yes. know? <laughs> you sound like Debbie. I mean, for everybody who has these false narratives, shame on them. You know, well, we are I, who we are and we're individuals. Well, like, the thing is, it's, it's one of those things where, like, and so it's funny you, you doubled down on that, Debbie, because Bill Griswold made a comment, um, not mm -hmm. to jump the comment so quickly, but he asked, he said, tell me more about the phrase, you sound white, and why basically being a microaggression. Part of it, Bill, is imagine being a race or imagine being an individual and then you then people assume they try to take that away from you by the way you sound like right that's ridiculous right and so just white it, is better yeah and, and also by it's saying white, right. exactly by, by and then elevating a race by saying white yeah. is better at the end of the day if you just speak proper english you just english speak right english that's about it yeah, not everybody's going to sound like Morgan Freeman or the guy from the Allstate commercials. Like, it's, I mean, right. it's what it I is. Like, say to the person's question, why is it a microaggression? It's because of your assumption of my intelligence or my right. diction, my elocution has anything to do with the fact that I'm not the default. You know, right. I'm not the default. And unfortunately, we have a default and everything else is hyphenated. You know, right. to this place, I'm African-American, but Mike's American. My friends who are Asian are Asian American, but Karen's American. Right. So like everything else is filtered through the default lens, and then everyone else is given a hyphen. So right. it kind of gives you that sense of not belonging. Because again, I like, like I told you, I grew up Jamaican. Nothing else. I'm Jamaican, just like anyone else. But coming here, I had to get a hyphen. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. You came here and you got a hyphen. I've That is... Thank you for saying that. That's huge. That makes me almost want to cover that in another conversation. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Mike. Were you about to say something? Oh, and um, on, on a, a different topic, but I'll come back to that one. I, I, I will add, though, to to the comment. I, I think there's something to be said of if you're going to ask that out loud. I guess, like, I, I guess going through my um, development um, as a as a as a, a white person that's like learning more and more every day about this topic. It, you, I don't, I, there's a lot of things that I say in my head that's a two second rule that never comes out of my mouth and I want to get better at the two second rule, you know, the, what's in my head, but it's not really a question that needs to be put out there. So like if you're, if, if learn from that, if you say it and you upset the person, but I'm, it's, those are things that are in that two second rule things. Like you didn't really need to ask. Like I had somebody ask me the other day, it said my daughter is beautiful and asked if my son is black too. And I'm like, <laughs> 
I'm not what? sure how to answer that question. <laughs> no? Yeah. Wow. I, so. And just, in, you know, talking about microaggressions at work, like my husband, you know, if you meet him at work, you don't know we're connected and you hear his passion about diversity and inclusion, um, you know, you'll probably wonder why this guy is all riled up about, you know, inclusive hiring practices and stuff. Someone saw our family picture at a former workplace of his and tell him what the person said. He said I have street cred. Wow. I don't really think this person can give out street cred, but he still said it. <laughs> oh, Really? Well, so along along those lines, like I've kind of experienced that too, where I've had, you know, where I've seen where a certain treatment from people and then, you know, like they would see pictures of my daughters and like the whole demeanor changes. Yep. And then I've gotten, oh, well, you don't look like you would date black men. And I'm like, what does that mean? You know, like, oh, because I don't have finger waves in my hair. Like, what does that mean? You know, like, like you say, because I haven't adopted a black culture whatever that means, you know, but uh, yeah, I've gotten that too. Like, well, you don't look like you would do that. And those, I, I don't understand the thought process of somebody who's raised with that kind of, you know, thought, thought, because mm -hmm. honestly, we're all humans and yeah. we all have, you know, particular things that attract us to each other. Some people, it's sense of humor, intelligence, height, whatever, things that are deeper than your skin tone. So yeah, but, it's but so like you said, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, but, like, <laughs> but like you said, Debbie, I mean, and we said it earlier, it's because the idea of us just loving each other be, be regardless, Matt started off, it, it just became okay 50 something years ago. Yeah. So for this country, that's not it for so long. It was not okay for yeah. so long. It was not okay for you to love somebody or even openly profess that that's what you liked at all. And now you're, you're dealing with, I mean, what, less than, less than a generation and a half of people that are, are now going to have to change their mentality on how this works, on how that love initially mm -hmm. has always been okay to love whoever you wanted to love, regardless of what color they were. But people still see color. That's the basis of it all. That's why we're here. And you should, because, I mean, I'm black and Jamaican. I want you to see me, but I want you to embrace right. me, not, you know, be repulsed or right. think less of me but i mean i i want you to see me for everything i have to offer including my caribbean vibes yeah and, you know no. you want to see mike for what he has to offer i mean i've learned so much about um polish culture polish right. food my mother-in-law is an amazing cook and baker um you know my daughter is gonna get my rum cake recipe and her grandmother's <laughs> recipe <laughs> but you know that's all you know the benefit of having multicultural relationships you're able to share the best of your cultures with your little humans but then also letting them know that other people's cultures are just as valid you know right. there's no reason for you to denigrate someone based on you know you being different I appreciate that. Let me ask you guys a question to, to, to think about from a challenging standpoint when you guys have had challenging or I'm asking, have you guys had challenging conversations between each other? Right. So for me, you know, I, I'm, I'm just married to a black woman. So it's, I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just saying like, I don't, it's kind of easy. Like we both, we both kind of get angry about the same things or whatever. We kind of look at things maybe a little bit different from a racial, from a racial standpoint, but like, you know, there's this meme that I saw. It was a while ago, maybe a couple years ago. It was during after one of the killings, and it was the black. It was a black woman and a white husband, and the the husband was asleep. He was just, just, uh, just gone, exhausted. And the and the black woman is in the bed, and she has her phone up, and it 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 said like BLM. I think it was like Black Lives Matter, and it had like an article or something on her phone. 
and but and you can see the phone, but then she's looking at her husband like, yeah, like like you know, and not because she dislikes her husband, but I'm assuming like how do how do you guys handle that? Does that make sense? What I'm what I'm yeah, trying to yeah, it totally does. Yes, okay. yes. I will say for um for me, I have a friend. She's local to Charlotte, um, and she has a nonprofit that's that deals with anti-racism education. And she has a class going on now that Mike's taking, which I think yeah. is awesome. I mean, we've both been huge supporters of her work for years. And, you know, for him as a white male, who's basically the picture of the default in the US, um, he's going through this class to learn about, you know, unlearn and learn about some of the ugly, the ugly truths and the ugly narratives that have brought us here. So, you know, while I will have um, visceral reactions to black violence and, you know, police brutality and all of that, he's working on his end to educate himself. And, you know, for me, it's a different, um, for me, it's like a different emotion because I have to literally distance myself from the news and stuff because after a while it's like PTSD yeah. but, um, for him it's more of a we have children we want their future to be better so he's doing his part <laughs> yes. to learn and unlearn and check his biases mm. what do you what do you guys think Foster well just how we you guys dealt with these issues between us yeah well yeah karen and i consistently i would say all the time have conversations about it's not just about black and white it's definitely about cultural differences and how we were raised mm -hmm. and different nuances of different things of what goes on in our families and and we definitely recognize you know like just some of the stuff that we've just talked about like about how history is skewed and how it's written and and not just even just the black and white thing, but being aware of of how how society has 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 jaded the image of what's supposed to be. And 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 you touched on it, Debbie. Like we are trying to make sure that our children, because I don't know why we don't give our children the full Monty of everything that's going on, so that they can be better. Like I don't know why it has to be. It's understood that America was built on segregation and it's built on racism, and we know that. I mean, it's just known. And to try to cover it up and to try to make it something so little that so many people died and all that kind of good stuff and so many people have fought for equality, not even anything better than that, but just to be equal, they have to know that so that they can be better. Like our whole generation the next generation needs to know that. Like we were talking about, you know, it's been blown up about uh, Floyd, but it's a whole generation of children and we're getting better by them knowing how this works. The, the, the truth. Oh, well, well, I'm saying how it affects us is that it's our children. Like that's how it's affecting us is that we are raising the next generation and you're telling them from your side, being a single mom, white and me being a single parent black and now we're together as a family just like with them that they need to know the full spectrum of how this works that there's gonna people, there's gonna be people out there that just don't like them just because of the color of their skin and they need to be ready for it so you guys yeah. I, have a, I have a question for karen you yeah. know because you know, i've been seeing this 
I won't say as an outsider, because like I said, I've been here for more than two thirds of my life, but, you know, back from Rodney King, Amadou Diallo, you know, the violence against black males' bodies mm -hmm. has been pervasive over the last, I don't know, I can keep counting back to Emmett yeah. Till. But do you ever fear for Spencer, you know, for the little things that happen, going for a jog, just walking, yeah. sleeping, somebody accidentally coming into the the wrong apartment. Yeah. I mean, you can just kind of name what's been going on. Do you yeah. ever have any fears? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and then when it's in your face so much like it is now in the media and, you know, I recently, you know, a couple month, months ago or a month ago when all this happened, um, when George Floyd happened, you know, I think I posted something and I had someone who commented and was like, you don't really have a perspective to have an opinion on this. And I'm like, wait, I'm married to a black man. This was a black male who said it, which I, I get, you know, when I kind of calmed down my anger at the comment, you know, I get where he was coming from, but it was also a, no, I have the same feeling, you know, as a black woman, when my husband, my black husband leaves the house, you know, is he, you know, is he going to be seen as, just another black guy, you know, is he going to come home to us? Is he, you know, I mean, I'm always like, please put your seatbelt on, please slow down, please don't, you know, like whatever you can do to not draw attention to yourself, you know, like we've had those conversations. Yeah. I know he gets tired of hearing it, but you know, I'm like, it's because I'm like, no, I just, I don't even want to have to deal with that. Right. You know? But yeah, no, it's, it's very real. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's huge and it's so pervasive and just, you know, again, for me, I've become more loud than I've been in the past because I feel like if I was going to leave any kind of legacy for my children, it would be that I use my voice to make a difference. Right. Yeah. I've given them access to education, um, you know, volunteer for my child's PTA because I really am passionate about equal access to proper education, having technology, bridging that divide. There's just so much nuance to yeah. you know, the differences in what people of my skin tone um, on the whole. Because again, we're not a monolith. There's people right. from upper wealthy class all the way down to working class and under the poverty line. And that's another thing, you know, people just come up with one singular black story. There's not, just like there right. are many different white stories. Yeah. I mean, we are all different people. However, um, there's definitely a skew in terms of access and denial of access. And I really hope for my kids' sake that when they're in, you know, my gener when they get to be my age, that this will be something that they'll say, gosh, you know, my parents really fought through this and we're right. so fortunate not to have to keep fighting through this. Right. So is, that, is that almost, um, to kind of almost flip the question back to the, the Adam family, um, but then put, point it to Mike, right? You know, how you asked Karen that question about her husband. Mike, for you, how do you feel about that with your kids? Like, are you worried about their safety when they get older? I, I do. Does it cross your mind? Yeah, it does. But it's a weird, it's a, I have to add a little bit of um, additional to it. My, my son identifies much closer to, to the white side, like a white side, and he's much lighter. Um, and I, so it's hard, it's hard to remember sometimes that somebody might go there. Like, so it's not as prominent with my daughter. She is definitely a darker skin and it, and it's, it's been, I've been slapped with it enough times that I do think about it. Uh, but not, it's funny. We're talking about, it's like, you know, I, I don't, I, occasionally I might think about it as like, wow, what if somebody did, but it's not as common of me because he's so lighter skin that it's not always 
So I'm I, gonna, I will interject so. that my son has skin tone privilege. It's not yes. that he identifies to the yeah, wider sorry. side. He has yeah. skin tone privilege, meaning he could walk into a space yeah. and be thought of it ambiguously, if that's even a term, yeah. because you right. can't, without me standing beside him, he has my entire facial structure. So we look like yeah. twins. But if I wasn't there, you know, you wouldn't automatically assume he has a black mother, but he does right. and he knows it. He just knows. And we've talked to him about yeah. his skin tone privilege because he has friends of darker skin tones. And he's at that age now, 13, where at some point they're going to go out together and we're like, yeah. watch out for your friends. It's right. interesting because that was, um, and I'm saying this carefully because I did a conversation on, on white privilege um, a couple weeks ago. I think what not for the term, because I always feel like the terminology can be thrown out there just to be thrown out there. But part of what some people would say that's not a privilege, it actually kind of is an advantage slash privilege to not have to think about it. I right. think that's, that's, I think, what a lot of people are trying to say when they try to say white privilege, not because you've been given something, but right. there's, there's something that you just don't have to carry. Because sometimes the privilege is not to carry the weight. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I would say it is. <laughs> it's totally real. I don't know why anybody would think it's not. I mean, I can remember driving cross country with a friend of mine and I don't remember what state we were about to cross, but we were talking to some locals about how we've heard it's really bad to cross. And the guy just looked at me and said, why are you worried? You're white. Like, <laughs> you don't have anything to be concerned about. Um, so it's just like, you know, it's been, it's always been there. I mean, we, we've talked about it for interviews. I, yeah, I, she joked, she, it's been a joke that I can like fall over and get a new job and she'll have to interview 30 times. Like it's, it's not her. She's much smarter than I am. I would hire her over me every single time. <laughs> for some reason, um, you know, yeah. I, I find it interesting that with, with the kids, I, you know, and I don't know if this happens to you guys, Foster, because I'm, I'm trying to, well, I'm visualizing your kids, Karen, um, but I kind of know what they look like. But actually, I do know what they look like. But it's amazing that with the kids, you just literally have two different worries when it comes yeah. to the racial aspect of it. Like, you're not, it doesn't cross your mind for your son, like, by himself, like, just walking outside. He just, yeah. that, that's amazing. For, for the Foster family, is that you know how how's that been for you guys with your kids and you have four girls so right so i would say f our 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 fear our our worry recently because our our you know our children are 21 20 14 and 13 and for the 14 and 13 year old that's growing up we have recognized some of these problems and one of them would be they like you were saying that they could be ambiguous in some place and start wanting to date and start wanting to date little dudes. And for one little guy who could look up and say, Oh, I didn't know that you were black and I can't date you. I don't know how that might crush them. And I, and I've, I've already started preparing them for that. I mean, that, that, that's a, a crazy type of scenario. And I, and I, and I, and I had to sit down and have that with them. Because I know that it can happen. I've seen it happen. So for both of them. Oh, wait a minute. Y'all said your son is 13? He's yeah. 13. Yeah. He's 13. Oh, okay. We'll go make a note of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, have to, we have to pause our video for one quick second because um, I need to charge my computer. Can you give us one second? I'm so sorry about that. No, go ahead. Go ahead okay. and do that. Well, while they're, while they're charging. So that, yeah, that would be one of, I've had to sit down and talk to them and, and let them understand that it's, it, it's going to be hurtful, but you'd rather know 
where they are and, and, and what's going on with them or what's going on with the significant other. And that that's, I mean, like you just, and I keep going back because it is so crazy that it's only 50 years and that you're going to have to give people an opportunity to come along with what's just okay, that it should be okay. And that if this person can't get past that or stand up for you, then it's just not the person for you. But for 14 and 13 year old little girl who's about to have her heart crushed in that scenario, based based on us, like you said, Hershey syrup in her melanin, that's that's crazy. That's like it's just crazy that I have to have that conversation with my little girls. Yeah, I will. I will add um, not so much a suggestion, but um, for for us, um, we're super intentional about where we send our kids to school, the friends that they hang out with. Yes, in fact, yes. prior to coronavirus, for the past two years, we've had. Um, basically the mini UN of tweens no. and teens invade our house for one Friday night a month for and zero social media. They have to put their tech in a basket yeah. and it's mm -hmm. like game night. And we have, I don't think there's one ethnicity that's um, left out. I mean, we had so many different kids, private school, public school, homeschool. I mean, just so many different walks of life. And for me, um, I think, um, it's totally good to prepare your child for the eventuality that they could get their heart broken, but it's also really good to empower your child with a good sense of self. They oh, are, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, like they're worthy of the love of whomever. Oh, However, yeah. If they don't see those characteristics in that person, then you're right. It's not the right fit. And right. there's 7 billion people in this world. Right. There's right. Like said, if there's someone who wouldn't date you because of that, like, that's their issue. Yeah. Right. That, that's not your issue. Exactly. Like, that's their, that's it's like, issue. I'm so sorry for you with those views, but that is not yeah. my yeah. Yeah. Next. <laughs> But like you said, it's preparing them forward is what I'm saying. Like as yeah. children, and you know that your children are, and this next generation of children, they don't see it quite as much as we have seen it. Right. Not, yeah. not really, but th you're still going to have racism and you're still going to have bigotry out there. So, right. It's it's preparing them for it, like like what Karen said about how she asked me to put on my seatbelt and she asked me if I'm okay in the call. And when I was by myself, I didn't understand that because I was alone. But now I have to recognize with my wife that that's a worry, that she is worried about where I am. And when I'm five minutes late, that I could be, you know, you know under uh, like that. And so I have to tell my children for the hardships that could come for them. Not that it will, and God willing, it doesn't. But yeah. if it does, that you need to know your heart needs to be protected and you're beautiful enough. Like you said, I tell them that all the time. They're beautiful enough and you are enough. You don't, you don't have to be upset about that. So, I have a question for you, Spencer. Yeah. Did yes. you, growing up, did your parents give you the talk? Like if you ever got oh, yes. over or profiled by a cop? Oh, I would yeah. think that as a black man in this country, you know, so many of my friends in college, and I mean, what's crazy to me is that when I was in college, I had these friends who were, gosh, super smart going on to work at, um, you know, the Space Center and stuff like that. And on the college campus, they felt completely in their element. But as soon as they went outside, there was always that guarded, you know, am I going to be oh, yes. profiled, you know? Oh, yes, yes. I've, I've uh, uh, to to kind of sideways into that. So yes, I've been given the talk, and I've been a product of a of a situation with police officers that was strictly and stupidly crazy because of my color. Um, 
I had a friend, uh, his name uh, was Sean, and he was my manager. And he and I used to hang out all the time. And one day after work. He was we, white. Yeah, he's right. a white guy. He drove a BMW. We were riding home from work one day. Um, a cop pulls us over. And the cop comes to my side of the window and puts his head in and says, I can smell it. Where is it? So I said, excuse me? And he pulls me out of the car and searches me and tells me he needs to know where it is. Then he takes me and handcuffs me and puts me in the backseat of a car. Then he leaves, cracks the window. He goes over to my friend Sean's BMW to his window and asks him where it is. My friend Sean says that he's got weed in the car, tells him where it is. He takes my friend out of the car, lets him stand outside by the cop car, um, uh, comes back to the car to me and says, I know that you've got some weed on you. Get out of the car. So he takes me out of the cop car again, searches me again and puts me back in. Ultimately winds up taking us both down to jail where Sean got a PR bond where he was signed out and I had a $500 secured bond where I had to pay to get out as a passenger in his car of weed that he said that he wanted. So what's interesting about that story, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, Debbie, about just like the talk and then, you know, with Spencer going into that story is that a lot of this drives the parenting, right? These are experiences that people have when it comes to the parenting. And, and, and as, we, as we get closer to the end here, one of the things I want to ask you all, I didn't plan to ask this, but now I think I should, um, if you guys can spend a minute each, um, and I say a minute each, meaning each one of you if possible, um, because you have different perspectives possibly is what advice would you give people who are thinking about other races and it doesn't have to be black or white, you know, just being from a relational standpoint, currently married with young kids or about to have kids um, or, you know, people who are just like you all, right. Kind of having, you've had children for a minimum of eight years now at all the way up to 21. Um, what, what, you know, what advice would you guys give uh, if you guys could spend a minute each? Um, I can, I can start. Um, so for both of my kids, I, um, I've done my best to remove them from a lot of the, um, you know, the magazines, the media, the things that kind of give you a false sense of reality and what's perfect and beautiful and really try to instill in them, you know, the, the values of character and being a good friend and all of that. And hopefully they'll be able to take it into whatever relationships. But for me, it's just important to combat the ugly rhetoric with truth fill them up with truth and because they'll be overflowing, they can share it with the next person, but then also giving them a healthy dose of boundaries. You know, you set your boundaries and if somebody pushes too far in your boundaries, you have the right to reset your boundaries. And so relationship wise and friendship wise, you know, especially my daughter, she's at the age of mean girls and you know, we have gone back to journaling and talking about what makes a good friend. So yeah. I appreciate that. Um, actually, I'll go to another lady. Ladies, ladies first. Karen. Um, I mean, I think the main thing is identity, and you know them recognizing who they are. For us, as a a Christian household, you know, for us, that's the baseline: is who does God say you are, not what does the world say you are. What does anyone else, you, you know, how does anyone else define you? It's about them knowing who they are in Christ and being firm and solid in that. Um, it's about understanding that, you know, that not everyone's not going to agree with you. Everyone is not going to be your friend. You know, yes. like you said, the mean girl age and, you know, teenage girls, it's, you know, we've had a lot of those conversations of, you know, just people being mean or just being, you know, just ignorance. And, 
you know, just explaining like, look, you, you have to get along with everybody, but you don't have to like everybody and everybody's not going to like you, but you still have to be compassionate and you still have to be considerate of other people, whether you agree with them or not. Um, and that it's not based on race, like that people are people. Um, and that's, that's what we tried to, I think, instill in them. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Spencer, anything you uh, my wife just said it so awesomely. I would definitely say because we are a, a Christian household that it's about identity of who Christ says he is. I, I have to say that, like, that's what it is. And that passing it on for anybody coming along, that you would have to recognize who you are, like, out here in this world, regardless of what your color is, what your merit, what, what's inside of you will translate to what's out there to other people. You're always going to come across people that are going to define you by color or, or whatever, by whatever bigotry there is out there. But you're going to have to learn what, what you are and who you are and be strong enough to tell people that that's what this is and that you're worthy of love and that you're worthy to be loved and that you're bigger than this hate. Like that's, that's just what it is. And that's, that's where we are. Like, let's be, let's love over this hate. Like, cause hate's always going to show up. It's always going to show up and it's always going to rear its head. But as long as we know who we are and we stand together in love, then we'll be okay. Awesome. Yeah, and so, so Oh, real quick, something that we do say to them a lot, like when they're kind of having a moment of, well, I just feel like I'm ugly or I feel, you know, it's like negative talk. You know, we ask them, who told you that? Yeah. Who's, whose voice said that? Like, that's something that we ask them. Like, who, who, who told you that? I love, I love the aggressiveness that you all are carrying when it comes in. I mean, that positively you all are carrying when it comes to your kids and your relationship together <laughs> to, to work these things out. I mean, it's awesome. Mike, what, what you got? Everybody talk about kids, so I'll just say relationships in general. I, I think two pieces of advice that I take pretty much everywhere with me is I'm going to make a mistake. I'm going to say something wrong, but instead of running away, apologize, lean into it, and learn how to do it better and learn something from the situation. That's and you know, we, we focus a lot on skin color today, and I think might have missed, not missed, but like look at how similar everybody is. We are, there's a lot more in common between everybody than there is differences. And I, I was actually going to touch that in a second, but yeah, keep going. No, I, I just to add, just like we, we were talking about getting ready for this the other night, and it's like, to be honest, our upbringing, you can see our color differences, sure, but our upbringings are pretty darn similar. And we were comparing note by note how much similarities we have and how we were brought up and our, our values and the things that we care about. So um, I think it's just important to remember that skin color is only skin deep. Yeah. All right. And I think, I think it's, you know, and I, I think it's very important. It's why we, you know, I wanted to start when it comes to you guys as individuals, you know, starting, you know, from a description of who you guys were as individuals, sorry. Um, it's important that we all realize that we, everybody is a human being who yes. has different perspectives and different backgrounds and, and the similarities that we may have or find about each other. Like you just said, Mike, about you and Debbie, you know, you guys have a lot of similarities your skin color doesn't necessarily remove those similarities. And I think, right. I think that's super important to not be so focused on that and be focused on the culture, the perspective, the perspective, the perspective and the perception that people bring to relationships so you can get past that. And it sounds like that's what you all have done to help further your marriages going yes. forward. Um, if I, if I said that, if I said that correctly, um, mm -hmm. No matter what's what's going on, um, I'm sorry, uh, Spencer. Did I cut you off? Or no, you're fine. No, no, no. I was saying right. yes. Cool. Um, 
Well, I don't think there's anything else really here. I know that there were some comments, but we actually kind of, I kind of wove in a lot of the comments and questions into the conversations. You guys answered a lot, especially around the kids, marriages, so on and so forth. Oh, I do have a question, Mike. Did you touch your hair when you guys first started getting together? <laughs> you know, there was a movie that came out. That's when I found out I wasn't supposed to. Like there, that was there was something about you're not supposed to do that. But I don't, I don't think there was ever a point in time there was a moment with that. So awesome. Yeah. Matter of awesome. fact, she went natural what three, four, four three or four ago. years ago. So mm-hmm. yeah. So we 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 had a lot of talks about the difference and stuff. I learned a lot through that process. So. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, look, guys, thank y'all so much for your time. Thank you, everybody who watched on Facebook. Um, we are going to end the live right now. The Karen and Spencer Foster, Debbie and Mike Adam, thank you so much for this time. And um, yeah. thank you all for on Facebook World for watching. Yes. Bye. Thanks, man. Hey.